Ladies and gentlemen, my name is AJ, aka Glock Lesnar. My usual co-host, the HBIC Chidera, is not here today, but I always come prepared and I've brought a very special friend to come fill in for the HBIC. Please introduce yourself. My name is Natalie, mm. AKA the introverted powerhouse. And you are listening to Wrestling Is Too Much Fun. This is all about the love of professional wrestling. It doesn't matter if you're a lifelong fan, a new fan, or simply curious. This is where you'll get to hear fun and hard-hitting wrestling conversation. Each week, we will have recurring guests as part of our hard-hitting lineup that will go down like this. We'll kick things off with Break It Down, where I'll cover the hottest topics in wrestling. Today, we'll be talking about the latest WWE talent cuts and Jade Cargill leaving AEW for WWE. The first part of the double main event is no holds barred. This is where somebody well-known or famous comes to lay the smackdown on me about wrestling in interview form. Today's special guest is one of the biggest independent wrestlers on the UK scene, previously seen on WWE NXT. None other than Big Wavy, Roy Johnson. I get to live out a childhood dream and I've been fortunate to do it at various different levels, at the very top level. The second part of the double main event is the Rock and Suck Your Mum review. Guests are invited to bring a match they rate, and then I decide if it rocks or sucks. Now you know our names and our AKAs. Let's get into some wrestling. It's time for us to break, 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 break it down. Here's the latest wrestling news loaded with controversial views. Every year, the WWE released a number of wrestlers on the roster for different reasons. The main reason, as always, comes down to money. <laughs> But you and I know there's always tea somewhere in the mix. On the 22nd of September 2023, the WWE announced the latest round of cuts from their WWE and NXT rosters. The list of wrestlers released is longer than the OJ Simpson trial. Names include Mustafa Ali, Rick Boogs, Aliyah, Elias, Riddick Moss, Top Dalla, Shelton Benjamin, Emma, Dolph Ziggler, Dabakato, Dana Brooke, Mansur, Mace, Quincy Elliott, Shanky, Yulisa Leone, Kevin Ventura Cortez, Eichmann Jiro, Brooklyn Barlow, Bryson Montana, and finally Matt Riddle. All fun and jokes aside, losing your job in a cost of living crisis is peak. What do these people do now? How will the bills be paid? Who's going to jump ship to AEW or New Japan? Who will retire from the ring? Who shouldn't have been released and who really needed to go? We have questions. We'll also be discussing Jade Cargill leaving AEW for WWE. So on this week's news, obviously people have been fired from the WWE. Losing their jobs, cost of living crisis. In this economy, they've been losing. This was a, quite a lot of releases. This was what, about 2021 releases? Was it really 21? Yeah, 21 releases. Ah. It was insane. Like, some names I wasn't shocked. Some names I was shocked. Yeah. But what did you think of the release? Well, I think the first thing to realise was that I should have expected some releases with a new merger. But mm -hmm. I don't know why I panicked on my phone. I was just like, huh? Releasing? <laughs> tweet yeah from a follower and he was like this re the releases have a 
some sort of like football transfer day oh, feel like to draft, it. Yeah. Like it's it is kind of like a draft because immediately when it's like WWE are releasing people, mm. we're thinking who where are they gonna go? What where, is their what's future? Their, what's their future? I mean, a lot of people are like, yeah. So-and-so is going to AEW. So me, I'm like, enough. It's not everybody can go to AEW. It's going to become a retirement home. That's what TNA was, yeah? (laughs) It's going to become a retirement home. We can't be doing that again. We're sorry. Do you know what? It's like AEW is like... At one point, I started to think that AEW was WWE's dumping ground. Like, Tracy Beaker. (laughs) You pulled the unwanted children. I can make my work come true. (laughs) I can make my work come true in (laughs) AEW. Like... Oh, oh, no. no. That's how they usually start. If it's a new company, we can only assume it is a dumping ground until they start picking up. And AEW picked up very, very quickly. They picked up very quickly and they were picking up everybody very quickly. Like anybody that was released from WWE, we were like, are they going to be in AEW? And then somehow TK got money hungry and then yeah they were I think he's w. learning. I he's think he's learning. calmed down. I think somebody is telling him like I, when I, when the releases were happening, I was like. TK, somebody please tell TK, put the wallet down. He's very money hungry. Money hungry. It's like new toy syndrome. Yeah. Like, well, he's a fan, isn't he? Yeah, he's a big fan. So he but just, it's, he's imagining everyone he ever wanted and he wants them all under his roof. The but... thing is, there's a fan and then there's running a business. Yeah. Get out of your fan mindset mm. and then run a business. No, completely, completely. But yeah, so obviously, like we said, a few releases happened mm. in the WWE just to name a few, so we had Rick Boogs, mm. we had uh, Aaliyah, yeah. we had Elias, Riddick mm. Moss. When I'm looking at this list, I'm not really shocked. I mean, I don't know half of these people, but I'm sure some of them will find... They'll, they'll find, find something. Work. I mean, Emma... Impact, come claim her. Really? You think so? I mean, wasn't she impact in Impact before? She had a really good run. Come claim her back. I can definitely see a match between her and Trinity in the future if Trinity still remains champion. Impact, claim her. Interesting you said Impact. I mean, looking at some of these releases, we can definitely say no one is safe, no matter yeah. what. Because some of these people were pulled mid-storyline. Mustafa Ali okay. pulled. Do you know what? That one shocks me, but it didn't surprise me, if yeah. that makes sense. Because it's just like, Mustafa Ali has been gunning to be out of the WWE when that whole free Ali campaign happened, yeah? Yeah. Now Ali is finally free. <laughs> he is, but I think he was gaining a little bit momentum. But mm-hmm. it also goes to show, I don't necessarily know if WWE knew what to do with him. I think he could have been a solid mid-carder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A complete solid mid-carder. But the opportunity here for him is to maybe pull a Drew or Cody, as I say, mm. go explore the world, yep. head to another company, run around, amp up your skills, come back <laughs> yep. with a prettier resume yep, yep, yep. and let Vince fawn all over you because suddenly you're now attractive. I, I think that might be the opportunity. But yeah, I was just thinking back to all the missed opportunities with him. Mm-hmm. The hacker storyline could have been something. Mm-hmm. Retribution, I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. But I think he would have worked well in a stable where he wasn't the main man and then given the opportunity to grow in the same way Damien Priest did. You think so? I think I it could have worked. Lie, this is going to sound harsh. I don't think Mustafa Ali offered nothing to me. Like, I know. With the, with the direction, like, with the way, the direction that WWE was going, there was no place for Mustafa Ali. I know. And again, I completely agree with you. Let him go out there. Let him build a resume. I think Impact would be his home impact could work maybe try some maybe try japan you know become a shiny new toy yeah sparkle in the light vince will come and see you again yep should we go for a very shocking one go on ah dolph my baby (gasps) my blonde haired baby that one they need to explain that one like that one i don't understand why would you let Dolph Ziggler go? Trailblazer. The best cash-in. Multi-time champion. The best cash-in. My man could take a bump. You can trust my man with a bump. <laughs> the best cash-in. I said it three times. The best, the best cash-in. cash-in. Honestly, like... Of uh, all time. Tears coming out of my eyes. Like... My oh. heart was beating. When... When his music came on. Oh, my boy showed the and world. And then this guy ran with Biggie. Like, with, with AJ Pal- Lee. Oh. And like, he was like down the ramp. He was like, <laughs> he was like, cash in, cash in, cash in. Honestly. Meanwhile, Alberto Del Rio was just in the corner, just 
he couldn't believe what was going on. And at one I'm point, getting goosebumps now just remembering I it. I can't believe it. Dolph Ziggler is one of those people who can adapt, who can mould, who can do stuff. You can put him in any situation, any in situation. any storyline, personally. I think he would have been great on the main roster, but for newcomers, put him in the, put them in the storyline with Dolph. Probably one of the best sellers in WWE. One of the best sellers. Like the best seller out there. And you go and let him go? You go and let him go. You're getting all these new people, all these people you're putting in developmental. Like I loved it when he was in NXT. Like I love this whole. I it love, worked. Yeah. I loved this whole thing about bringing in you know a, people from the main roster into NXT, giving them something to prove, giving something. Yep, he was that gateway. Like oh, I'm gonna teach you guys something. Yeah, and you, if you're worthy enough to come into the main to the big boys. Yeah, but. Where could he go? Because if I remember correctly, he does some comedy. Before we go to that, you think wrestling is done for Dolph? I'm like, he would work well in other promotions. But for some reason, I think Dolph could easily transition into Hollywood. I think he could really find his footing in comedy. I, I mean, apparently he's quite good. <laughs> I'm not I don't gonna lie, know. he had some funny moments in. Honestly, he's a really he's a really he good. He acts with his old body. I'm sure he could find something to work with. Um, but if not wrestling, you know, the rumor is AEW mm-hmm. with his brother. I don't know what they would necessarily be doing, but there's potential there. Or he can really the world is his oyster. I'm sure any other promotion would take him. But I think yeah, Dolph Ziggler one definitely it it, it struck my heart, man. It was painful because. He's a good wrestler. Dolph is a good wrestler. He Dolph is, is talented. Good. Dolph is versatile. He can go to other companies, but I cannot see it properly because he was a WWE lifer. He was in the Spirit Squad. He was in the Spirit Squad. It's 2006. Do you know how much I've... Somebody's going to shoot me, but do you know how much I love the Spirit Squad? Oh, were you skipping around? I was... <laughs> Kenny, Nikki, Mikey. I loved the Spirit Squad. We oh are... The, their rivalry with DX. Yeah, it was Come perfect. Come on, man. It was perfect. No, I that know. Was, I loved the Spirit Squad. You know what? Now I hear the comedic factor. Yeah? Because okay. the Spirit Squad was hilarious. And then the next shocking one, I guess... You, <laughs> You're kicking out the black men, man. Listen, all I have to say is, Shelton Benjamin, this is not, his time is not now. Like, I know I shouldn't do this, but go straight to the G1. Go really? straight. Shelton Benjamin. G1 needs, Climax. G, Shelton Benjamin needs to go to New Japan. Similar to Dolph. He could fit in any storyline, any scenario. He could really push newcomers. Mm-hmm. What I feel like we've missed out on, that Fine, if you're going to fire him, fire him or release him. Why didn't you do the storyline with Brock? Has Vince heard me in my dreams and has just been like, yeah, Natalie, it ain't happening. Look at that. Like, why? And Brock is just sitting there. Like, I was even trying to think about it. Like, did they have a feud or was it that they just had early matches and their friends. I actually cannot remember a direct feud between Shelton and Brock. And I think it would have worked. Um, I'm not saying it has to be like, you've done me wrong in something. It could generally just be technical prowess. Mm-hmm. And we know that Shelton is a good worker. And I actually, Brock is the most motivated when he likes his opponent mm-hmm. and appreciates his opponent. Mm-hmm. So I can only assume with Shelton being his friend, he will appreciate Shelton and reciprocate well in a match. 100%. We could have had a banger. We could have had a match of the year. He could have come out and said, look, yeah, my time in the WWE is coming to a, an end. Not an end, but I'm, soon, I'm yeah. not going to be here for a long time. Mm. And there is one person that I want to have a match have with. a match with or yep. there's unfinished business i have or something just something because sometimes i feel like with these companies they want to do the most intricate storylines to lead to something they've already got the basis but then i think maybe it's been lost in lost in translation they could have had the basis from the royal rumble true they had that interaction. They had that interaction. And then Shelton thought it was okay and Brock was like, <laughs> we're not friends anymore. <laughs> and then and stuff. something And then Shelton happened. could have just been like, I don't respect what you did. Exactly. Storyline. Storyline, there you go. I guess also, lastly, one that is probably not as shocking, but in some ways shocking in the sense that old WWE actually went with it. Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle. I mean, when I first saw it, I was like, Merger, revenge from UFC. Is that what it is? Because he wasn't well like that. Yeah. He's outspoken. But in all seriousness, you know, I think 
he was becoming a liability. Yeah, and he had a lot of controversy at the back of his, you know, following him as yeah. well. Yeah, so, Fightful Select even mentioned um, that higher-ups had said that he'd burned through many chances. Mm-hmm. Higher-ups probably being Nick Khan. Mm-hmm, Nick mm-hmm. probably doesn't enjoy it. Um, <laughs> Soz, but no, um, he has a checkered past. It's a shame because... Yeah. He had some high-profile stuff. He was he, in the Bloodline storyline The Bloodline storyline. He had a rivalry with Seth Rollins. Yeah. He had one, easily one of the best triple threat tag team matches yes. against um, Alpha Academy and Kevin Owens. Yeah. He even had a match against Roman Reigns. I think... There would have been potential, not obviously world heavyweight, not WWE champion, but there would have been potential for another mid-card belt. They clearly liked his style. Yep. He worked well with others in the ring. He's quite fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, and but they'll probably make an example out of him. And he's very modern as well. Like yeah. He touches um, that fan base of... 420. 420. <laughs> that 420 fan that, base. That fan base. <laughs> that fan base. But, but of that demographic. Yeah. And... He offered something fresh. He did. He, he did. did. He was something, someone that stood out, you know, even the way that he acted, the way he was fighting in the ring with bare feet, like, but, uh, yeah, nah, what a shame, man. What a shame. He had some, he had some great moments, but yeah. again, you have to show that there's certain things that can't run in the company. But on a brighter note, following from all the firings the WWE has done, They've made a very big hire. A very spicy hire. A very beautiful hire in the name of Miss Jade Cargill. When they said that Jade Cargill is WWE bound, my dream matches were all coming through. Straight up. Straight up. First of all, let me take you to the journey of what I think WWE should do with Jade Cargill. Let me see if I agree. She comes to NXT for a bit, Mm -hmm. gets the developmental. She goes straight for Tiffany. Oh, Go okay. For Tiffany you know Shatton. what? I like that because WWE disagree with us because mm-hmm. I, my original view as well, mm-hmm. is that AEW wasn't a place for her to learn and grow. Yep. Absolutely. It's not the environment. Tony Khan, I'm looking at you. Like, <laughs> honestly, I'm looking at you because it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous that the vision is not a learning ground. So, NXT. Mm-hmm. But WWE, are, the dirt sheets are saying, Meltzer is saying, She's main roster bound. She's main roster. Can you see that already? And I'm just like, that's, that's very dangerous. That's going to expose her. No, but the thing is, you see the amount, that's the star power she has. It is. She does have the star power. To go. And the thing is, when she's, if she does go main roster straight away, the possibilities of what she can face in the main roster are endless. Who would be the first person she would meet though? Because I thought about this. Obviously, you know, I look at AEW and I'm just like, this is wrestling. Mm-hmm. I look at WWE and it's like super superstar entertainment. Mm-hmm. So this is perfect for Jade in mm-hmm. terms of being that superstar. She's beyond mm-hmm. life. She's beyond this starstruck em- mm-hmm. entertainment. But who would be the first person she faces on the main roster? Because I'm just like, are you going to feed her developmentals so she looks like a powerhouse mm-hmm. or are you just going to put her straight up? Because what if they just feed her to Charlotte? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Charlotte is in one of my dream matches it but is, she's not the first good. person the first person i said go raquel yeah. you know and her persona is her gimmick is i have the strongest back <laughs> i mean when they're selling raquel to her she's big she's strong she's bodybuilder-esque mm. jade cargill's the same in terms of is it going to be like a redemption obviously between because raquel lost to Rhea. and like you know what anybody out back there who wants to face me and then you just see so Jade. an open challenge. An open challenge. But open challenge in terms of redemption. Like, you know, I've had my falls, mm. but I need to be able to pick myself up. It's nice. I just wish she had time in NXT to, like, be the top dog there. Yeah, true. Be the NXT champion. I don't know if, it, you know, Becky eventually loses to Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jade and Tiffany have a feud. And then mm-hmm. Jade becomes the top dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we missed an opportunity there. Yeah. But that doesn't mean she won't excel. I just really hope that she doesn't become exposed mm-hmm. and they don't throw her straight away into big, big matches. Mm-hmm. I think she needs time to grow. But WWE will probably... I mean, she's going to have to do house um, house shows. Yeah. But she'll grow and train. But she'll go. learn on the way. Yeah. Because easily, like I said, uh, dream matches. Dream match galore. Rhea. Rhea. Bianca, Bianca. Bianca being the main one. I actually think Bailey would be great as well. Bailey. 
We're saying all this and they're probably going to give her Natalia and call it a day. <laughs> Natalia's even a good one. It, no, I think Natalia's Natalia might actually one. be her starter. Natalia might, I think exactly. Natalia might be her first match. If not, it's, it's Nia Jax. That's even a good one as well. well are you do you think who's going to win on top? The possibilities are endless. incredibly endless. The wrestling is too much fun group chat is getting way too full. So thank you for leaving those messages. We've got another message from a friend of the show. He's a don when it comes to car customizations. If you ever see a pink Lamborghini on ends, he's probably wrapped it up. His name is Yanni from Yanimize. You won't hear him talking about wrestling anywhere else. Um, I used to love Mr. Perfect. People like that obviously had your obvious ones, but yeah, like Mr. Perfect, Legion of Doom. Yeah, to me it was always about Royal Rumble. That's why it was staying up till late and just watching Royal Rumble and see who would win that. It's time for the first part of the main event. No holds barred. A set of quick-fire questions where special guests take you deep into their world of wrestling. Hailing all the way from the south side of London, Roy Johnson, a.k.a. Big Wavy is a professional wrestler, bodybuilder, model, and Ibiza's favourite. He has wrestled for WWE, NXT, and many indie promotions, including Progress, Pro Wrestling East, Sovereign Pro, and many more. He's also one half of the 8-7 tag team with Alex Roth. Roy joins us in the studio today to share his pro wrestling love story. Before we get started, why are you Ibiza's favourite? Well, there was a period of time in 2020 when no one could go outside and all that sort of stuff. But I threw myself out to Ibiza just because I was bored of my four walls and all that sort of stuff. And I just wanted to at least have a little bit of sunshine on me. In living there, I became the wrestler in Ibiza, basically. And I became Ibiza's favourite wrestler. And I cemented that by asking Wayne Lineker who his favourite wrestler was. His first answer was Hulk Hogan. I told him, I told him no, you can't say that. Oh, God. And then, and then, <laughs> oh dear. But his, his second answer was Big Wavy. So that's why I am Ibiza's favourite. So I want to know who inspired you or what got you to pursue being a wrestler? I didn't really have inspirations to be a wrestler. I just love wrestling. It became something that I wanted to try as a bucket list thing. I just wanted to do, try the training see, see how it was like. And then... I did my first session and I'm quite well into fitness and stuff and I was amazed at how difficult it was. I came out of the training session, I just sat on my sofa, just sat there and ate and I didn't do anything else and I was I was sore for a week. Wow. And then once wow. that soreness went, I was like, I want to go again. And I went again and then the same thing happened and then obviously the, the time that your sore gets less, so I started going training more. It got to a point where, I, and I, I didn't know this, so I, don't know, I don't know how, how these things work, because I'm completely new to it. But apparently I picked up wrestling really quickly to the point where I was ready to make my debut within two months. Wow, but that's wow. all from... I was training wrestling training four or five times a week. I will say that there's, there's wrestlers who... Not that I emulate their style or something, but like I look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, but MVP's probably the big, biggest mm-hmm. one out of yeah. one. Me and him have actually become good friends mm-hmm. oh, since, since I've started wrestling. So the fact that I'm actually friends with someone who I really looked mm-hmm. up to and I idolised as a fan, as a wrestler, he's given me so much advice mm-hmm. and, and things, uh, you know, just to, things to try out and things to do. And then when I actually met him, then we just became good friends. Can you tell us about um, being called for the NXT UK tournament? I remember this very vividly because I had... I was wrestling for progress and they had two shows mm-hmm. in two nights and one of them was like a training show which is trainees. The other one is a training show where it's trainees and pros. And I had a match on the first one and I felt like I stank up the place and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, this isn't for me. This wrestling stuff is not for me. At that point, I was maybe a year in. I'd maybe been 15 matches in. Something like that. I think it was, yeah, 15 matches in. And I had previously, early, or early in the year, done a match at, at progress on one of the big shows and William Regal was there. And I was quite fortunate in the fact that I was, a- I was able to have promo time and to wrestle. And he'd seen, like, a lot of my stuff. And we had a conversation. He was asking me how long I'd been wrestling for. And I told him, he's like, oh, you're really far ahead of where you should be for how many matches you've had. Wow. But he's kind of like, WWE's probably a bit too early for you right now. So, you know, we'll see where you are in a year or so. 
So anyway, flash forward to this match I had in November mm-hmm. that I stank. And then the, the day after I wrestled someone else, I was like, like a pro RJ Singh, um, and it was a good match. I was like, okay, maybe I'm okay at this. I'll maybe stick at it. Literally the next day, I got a message from Jim Smallman, who who now works for NXT. He, at the time, he was one of the owners of Progress. He's like, oh, um, can I have your phone number, please? I was like, I um, might, be able to, might be getting you some work from WWE. I was like, okay. Next day, I'm sat at home working from working from home. I was playing FIFA. <laughs> um, and then my phone rang, and it said Connecticut. And I was like, ooh. Connecticut? Wow. Yeah. Wow. From the big yeah. league. <laughs> wow. I was like, well, I better answer this. So I paused my game. Answer the phone. William Regal was on the phone. And um, <laughs> I was texting my mates in the group chat at the same time. I was like, I'm on the phone to William Regal. Wow. And um, he's like, basically, um, got some work for you. Don't know what it is yet. But, you know, we'll, if you're interested, let, let, let us know. And, you know, we'll put you down for it or whatever. So I was like, of course, yeah, I'm interested. Just let me know the details when, when, when you know. And they kept it very quiet, very secret. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to fill out forms upon forms like literally it's like paper about this thick send it back off like cool right we need you to be at, at london for these these uh, these three dates and i was like cool i had no annual leave at work oh. <laughs> and so i took my laptop with me in the taxi Don't lie. i'm tapping i'm tapping from my mobile phone i'm working from home i'm re- replying to things and i have my laptop with me and i'm doing this all day so in between the wwe things i go to my laptop do some work oh my god you know do the like things like you know meeting triple h and signing contracts and all this sort of thing and doing your your promo pictures and your videos and all that sort of thing you know like the id shoots yeah. they do and all, all that sort of stuff so i did all that stuff but in between i'm rushing to my laptop to like reply to emails and reply to people and then <laughs> the third day is when they announce a tournament Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, we didn't know what it was. They literally didn't tell us anything about it oh. until we got to the press conference and they announced it. And we're like, oh, this is what we're doing. They literally didn't tell us anything. Oh. And of course, because it's such a big deal, it was on every news outlet <laughs> in the country. It was on BBC, Sky News. Incognito no more. Yeah, so, <laughs> and I get a text from my boss. No way. Because obviously it came up and they're like, oh, that's... Roy, is he not? I would have been like, no, sorry, that was is cool. That, is he not working at home? The thing is, my boss was cool, so she was just like, mm-hmm. she's just like, congratulations. And I, and I was just like, thank you. But uh, it was a short-term contract for the, for the duration of the tournament and the few bits they wanted to do afterwards. So it all just came about very quickly. And I always tell, say to people, whatever you feel about wrestling and your career and how it's going, it can all change with, with one phone call, one email, and the only way it's going to, changed for you if you stay in the game so i did the, the tournament and then next uk gets announced i'm like cool no phone call there's nothing really going on and then i quit my job at the time so i wanted to focus more on wrestling so mm-hmm. i did, did a job that was like casual hours so i could wrestle and then the time i went wrestling i'd work in the, in a gym basically and so i remember one morning i was on my way to the gym and i thought this is an early shift so i'm like driving in my car five mm-hmm. in the morning i park up look at my phone i got a message from someone in WWE is like mm. oh we're interested in bringing you back for NXT UK can you get your blood work sorted out so I get, I get mine done every six months anyway just mm. in case something like that happens because right. you need to be ready for these mm-hmm, things because mm-hmm. NHS they're slow <laughs> when yeah. it comes yeah. to getting, getting, your, getting <laughs> blood work and stuff so so I got that sorted out and then I was like cool six months happened nothing no cool nothing six months nothing I'm like okay so at this point I stopped working in the gym I got a proper job again and I sat at my proper job saying um we're doing NXT UK taping, and this is on a Tuesday. We're doing NXT taping, UK taping on Friday. You're available. I'm like, mm, I, I don't know. Let me find <laughs> out. And then um, basically, my boss was just like, he wasn't happy about it, but he let me take take the days off I needed. Mm-hmm. But I had a booking that same day, and I messaged the product say, I'm like, look, I got this NXT UK who called me. They want to bring me in for the taping. And he's like, if you don't do this NXT taping, I, I, I won't book you anyway because you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> like, don't worry about my booking. Go and do the taping. And I did that. Now I guess that was the last thing I did with them. Really, I've had, I've done the bits and pieces of extra work and stuff, but nothing really materialised in terms of contract or anything. And and I mean that's cool. I'm blessed. I've I've, I've done it. At the time of the UK tournament, I was one of 16 people to to, to have done it. I was the only WWE wrestler, contracted wrestler from London at that time. I got signed by the WWE after 25 matches. Love that. Wow. So, Amazing. like, um, 
that all that stuff no one could ever take away from me but that's a very long story long minute <laughs> no, away but that's, 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 that's you really showed like the ride the work ethic that comes into Literally, it and yeah. stuff believing in your craft um, no please a long story is great <laughs> no, my, especially the work ethic because yeah. me I would have said my laptop broke or something yeah. there's no way no, like honestly. I'm sorry I would have said yeah sorry my laptop um, IT problems I can't do anything about but, it and yeah, I would shut that I think no. that, that job at the time if my laptop was closed they'd be ringing my phone wow. so it's I had to I had to <laughs> I would have done IT issues and they'd get a sweet yeah. and just sorry I'm not here sorry I'm not here I'm busy <laughs> the no, but, no. so for those who don't know um, can you tell us about everything patterned and your reasons for having a pay-per-view with wrestlers of colour yes yeah, so I remember back I think it was 2018, I was at a Progress show and in, early in the week, someone, one of the photographers at Progress had tweeted about, is there a problem with diversity in British wrestling? And I sat and I thought about it and I thought, is there, is there? And I got to this Progress show and I looked at the car and it was all white faces. Mm. I'd never noticed until I was there watching and I, was, and I was thinking about this actively and I thought, oh, no one ever notices these things. And I go back and I think of all these shows and it's literally all white faces. And I know... Mm. Back then, there was probably less black wrestlers in in the country at the time, but I just thought, okay, some some cogs start turning in my head. I started work, and I wrote out an all black card, a wrestling card, and I was like, this card's pretty cool. Just nothing, nothing like. And I thought, <laughs> thought to myself, one day I'm going to run a show where it's going to be um, all people of color, and if I ever do it, this is going to be the card. And literally, maybe a week later. Um, wrestling resurgence wrestling uh, promotion um, they contacted me and said oh, we want to do this this show for Black History Month um, have you got any ideas I'm like have I wow. <laughs> here's the card mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I sent it to them they're like okay we'll get contacting these wrestlers and me and them we both worked together and contacted all the wrestlers and the crazy thing about that was when we contacted all the wrestlers on that list all of them were available for that date bar one oh, wow. the only person who wasn't available was Jodie Fleisch but the fact that could pick a date that wasn't too far away in the future, but every black wrestler in the country was available. That says it all, really. And, and that says mm-hmm. it all. Now, there's a few reasons why I want to do the show. Firstly, to give black wrestlers a boost because you can put a wrestler in any position you want on a wrestling mm-hmm. show. As long as they're trained and they can wrestle, they can work. So it's not like, you know, a football team where a football team, you know, the Man United have the best players in the world, for example. Mm-hmm. You can flex about with wrestling and give... Like people with less experience matches with more experienced people and it still works so I just thought let's give, let's give these guys a platform to wrestle and try their thing and build their own their profile up secondly my group of friends black people black guys and you'll probably know this yourselves mm-hmm. as wrestling fans back those times they never came to wrestling shows they never came to indie wrestling shows mm-hmm. because they felt like they stuck out like a sore thumb yeah. because the crowd is all white faces mm-hmm. so that's how I want to fix that problem and then third thing is the wrestling industry in the UK is a very finite pool of fans. And you go to shows in certain areas and you'll see the same people. And you and you get to a point where you know faces and you know even the names of these people. But the scene was growing and people wanted to do run more shows. And all that happened was the actual crowds weren't growing. It was just the same people just going to different shows. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to do was to really open up um, British wrestling to the point where people of colour would come to watch the scene grows, scene's healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's why I did it, essentially. The first one I did, it was a, it was a real success. Um, show sold out, looked in the crowd, there's people of all different different colours, mm-hmm. uh, ages, uh, gender, sexual orientation. It was great, really like you know, diverse show. We've had people who, on the first show, who then got, went on to get signed by NXT UK, or people who ended up getting WWE tryouts, or you know, people who end mm-hmm. up winning countless championships all over mm-hmm. the like the country and that sort of thing so it did what it needed to do in terms of boosting everyone mm-hmm. and then we it kind of got shelved because I don't have the money to run wrestling shows <laughs> regularly mm-hmm. but it, the scene needs it mm-hmm. so progress picked up and it became something slightly different because I want to focus on black British talent mm-hmm. and then I've since done a couple more incarnations of it with different different uh, promotions so th- it's all coming together really really nicely and it's just a really nice positive story it's not always well received <laughs> um, by wrestlers mainly um, you know you get whispers about oh well what if we did an all white card 
You already do. You already do. Start saying something. You already do. Just you just you, know, you just don't know. You, you do. just don't realize it. You so. starkly you have. Yeah. So oh, <laughs> I just hate that response to school because this is something. This is a platform that is needed in like, and it's got such good like. Again, you you said that you don't want to take away from you know other people but you should give yourself that praise I was like, going to say like for somebody yeah. to even think about something like that and to execute it and then to be able to do it at such like such a, a, a positive way to even involve charities like Mind is a very good charity as mm. well mm. and for people to just respond what if we did it do your white thing you already do it anyway they, they do it anyway yeah. you know, do it anyway. every <laughs> single every single day but no i just i want to give you all the praise because first of all you mentioned how you know boosting up um numbers for an exposure for other wrestlers that's important mm-hmm. particularly especially you know for someone like me i think it's really hard sometimes as a black person and a black woman who is a fan of wrestling to really find your crowd and your community mm. and something like this provides it not only are you creating exposure for these black wrestlers giving them opportunities but as a fan as well it's about fostering that community and mm-hmm. providing that safe space um exactly. my first indie show was in i believe it was IC. W in Glasgow. In Glasgow, wow. In Glasgow. Um, (laughs) And it was a birthday present from a friend. Um, But said friend was white and her boyfriend came who was white. And I remember just being in the queue and I was just (laughs) looking at all the people Mm. going in and I felt so exposed, just so exposed. And they wouldn't have understood, but I just felt so uncomfortable, even mm-hmm. though it was supposed to be a birthday yeah. I, I, I know this feeling, because yeah. I, I, before I wrestled, I went to progress shows, and I went to Red Pro shows, yeah. and those shows were in London. And when there's like me and my friend Justin, who used to, who I used to go with, were the only black people there, mm. in a show in London, yeah. that's a problem. And it's almost like, I don't know if you guys get this when you go to wrestling shows, but you feel like you can't be yourself. You feel like you can't be... All the time. You have to, you have to maybe tone down your blackness, and mm. maybe dress a certain way so you, you you stick out less or you know maybe try and quiet it down a bit so you're not like oh these, these loud black people and, and, you know what I mean it's like no completely um, I've mainly been going to wrestling shows by myself probably the first time where I had an, a complete amazing time was when we went to All, All In, in together yeah. as mm. we three black ourselves. women and we were just being ourselves like we were getting side eyes but did we care we were we care? well some we people care? were proper enjoying it and laughing yeah. at us but when I went to Clash at the Castle mm. I had one couple being all friendly here I had a family being friendly here and like they kind of like talked at me but looked at me at the same time they were all friendly with the row in front and the row behind but like I was Mm. just siloed in the middle and it was so uncomfortable because I couldn't think I wasn't drunk or anything they were friendly with the drunk people (laughs) even though you're a family with a kid but Mm. me sticking out as a person Mm -hmm. there was something about me where they were just like well we're not going to mingle with you even though we're all wrestling fans fans, and so I really just like this idea of fostering this community mm-hmm. and giving us this space let white people say what they want to say Honestly, i don't care let them be angry <laughs> in the corner because it's just like is that what you're getting from yeah. the thing like there's the message is being sold here and the thing is what if we didn't all it's providing equal opportunity God. if you really think about it and stuff when one marginalized community gets an opportunity it provides an opportunity for all mm. every single time it's not just exposure for people of color you're getting a great opportunity to have future matches that could literally transcend time could be great matches in the future that we are consistently talking about but we won't be able to talk about it if you don't give these people a chance so obviously I think you've kind of touched based on this question already but what are some of the challenges around the organization of everything patterned So mm. first I guess the first one's funding I don't have unlimited funding mm. but I'm lucky that I can partner with wrestling promotions who help with that and help with the logistical side of wrestling mm-hmm. shows things that I might not have the contacts for so things like a wrestling ring for example mm-hmm. problem I had for the first one as mentioned is getting the car together now the problem I have is so the scene's grown to the point where I have to leave people out and oh. and I don't like leaving people out and because I'm not doing it regularly as well it kind of stings them probably a little bit more because I might do two a year so if I leave someone out from the last one and they don't make the next one it's then um, have they fallen out of favour with me which is not the case but yeah it's it's one of the things that I find quite difficult mm. uh, is managing in that because there's, there's now so many talented people of colour within the scene that I can't book everyone so, as we wrap up the interview, 
I want to ask you, why is wrestling too much fun? The main thing for me is I get to live out a childhood dream and I've been fortunate to do it at, at various different levels, at, at the very top level, you know, live on WWE Network to, um, you know, <laughs> um, shows in front of like seven people. I think as well that it's opened up so many other opportunities for me. Um, like, obviously there's there's the WWE thing and I've got to make good friendships and relationships with people who I have idolised, whether that be within wrestling itself or within things like music and you know, people who are actually into wrestling and we have that mutual respect as, as you know, artists and performers in, in, in what we do in our craft. And as I mentioned, doing stuff like this, like, and just want to big you guys up because this podcast is really important. Thank you, um, man. You know, I was listening to a past episode earlier <laughs> and I was, I was, I was in tears. Because <laughs> it, it really gave, like, um, it really gave, like, BBC One Extra vibes. Oh, my oh. God. Are you hearing that, BBC? It really well did. Like, you know, like, you know, like is it Newsbeat? They, I don't know if they still do it. I used to listen to One Extra Newsbeat, all the time. Newsbeat, yeah. It's like that. It's kind of like a little, a little wrestling, wrestling segment across the radio. And it's, it's, it. I gave good vibes with that. And, um, yeah, I just love the stuff you do. And you're reaching out to people like Ian Wright, for example. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, uh, when, I, when I, like, I heard Ian Wright, I was like, oh, I jumped up my seat. <laughs> it, fact, just a fact, by the like, way, Ian Wright was at my christening. Right. Yeah. yeah, he's he used to be friends with my dad when he played for Lewisham. So, oh wow, yeah. So I called him Uncle Ian when everyone talk about Ian. Right? But yeah, but like you know, things like this is really important, and like um, it really gives a different spin on wrestling. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have um, black British wrestling content creators that are growing mm-hmm. and growing at the moment. But the fact that you guys give a different spin onto it from a women's perspective mm-hmm. is really important. Because mm-hmm. if, as I mentioned, look to grow the scene and grow um, the type of people that come to the shows, mm-hmm. having a black female representation is really important so thank I just wanted to add that in um, thank you so thank much thank you so much oh, my heart is so, so. Warm. Oh, and I you know I also love hearing um, about people's childhood dreams yep. becoming mm. true being in reality it's always mm-hmm. quite inspirational to hear like like your you inner know, child has just been released released <laughs> and flourished when I was a kid and you know when the W used to come over in the UK mm-hmm. I never went to the shows because they were too expensive or whatever. but I remember mm-hmm. I remember vividly I was like, lying in bed thinking oh my god Triple H is in the country Literally, yeah. and I was like, I was like I'm nowhere near. I'm nowhere near. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, yo, they're in London. And yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm nowhere near them. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gassed because they're they're breathing British air. Yeah. And then you <laughs> fast forward how many years, and I'm on stage shaking Triple H's hand because they've signed me to a contract to wrestle for him. And it must have felt like a fever dream, to be honest. It was, it, none of it felt real. Yeah. That that whole day was just weird, anyway. And then my phone just died so many times from people like <laughs> ringing me and I get tagged in stuff and it's just crazy but anyway yeah stuff like that you know you look back as a kid and if I got gone back and told myself when I was a teenager oh you know you how much you love like DX and stuff um when you when you when you're a little bit older you know maybe like 15 20 years later you're gonna wrestle in front of Triple H you're gonna wrestle in front of Shawn Michaels you're gonna get back to back after your match and they're gonna tell you good job wow and like if I could tell myself that as a kid you know, I wouldn't believe it. So, oh, incredible. Love it. Wow. Kid me would have fainted. The second part of the main event, The Rock and Suck Your Mum Review. You'll hear recaps and ratings of matches old and new. Right, so Booker T versus Triple H at WrestleMania 19. 2003 was a dark time. <laughs> 2003 was a dark, dark, wow. dark time. Wow, wow, wow. Where do we start with this match? Let's start before the match and let's start with <sighs> the build up and the promos because I say 2003 was a dark time. Triple H's reign of terror God in heaven. was in full gear. People talk about Roman's reign of terror. I'm sorry, you missed out on Triple H's most painful experience of my childhood. You awake. You weren't enlightened. You weren't enlightened. Like, if you think Roman is bad now, uh, this is not even scratching the surface of the depths that WWE went to back then. I'm not going to lie. Like, when you suggested this match to me, yeah, at the time, I watched it as a child, but the connotations behind it, I didn't. I wasn't aware of it. I don't know why I suggested to you. It's traumatic. It is. <laughs> like, it is I don't know what you know what? In the spirit of Black History Month, we have to talk about some of these issues. We were issues. looking at something in the past, a match in the past. In the past. In the deep past. And in the deep there past. Many. In the depths of the past. With something that should have stayed in the past. Uh. But when people used to comment about, 
oh, this is the match where the ending shouldn't have been the ending. I just thought, oh, um, maybe it's just one of those things. But no. then when I saw and I realised, okay, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Triple H said some things. Let's get into like the deep crux of it. Triple H of a champion, as a champion, was not credible. Bischoff handed him the belt. Enter <coughs> Reign of Terror, where every baby face you could think of was fed to Triple H, was decimated and effectively buried. So it's a match where he should have won, but we know he was never going to win. There was dreams. We could dream. Shattered dream. But it was just, it was shattered. A, a gold dust production. It was shattered. And what didn't help was that the talk about Booker was all about struggle. And that's where the racial undertone started. It's all, despite Booker having all these WCW accolades, it emphasized that as a kid, I sort of got some of the undertones, but not to the extent that mm. I know now. It was Booker's promos were a reminder that black people have to work twice as hard. Twice as hard. And to, to see it in a WWE promo. It was horrible. It was it's like we can't even escape. It's supposed to be it's escape. Like it has, why is it everywhere? Everywhere we turn. Like as, as if we don't get enough in the workplace. Oh. We don't get enough in our areas. Preach. We don't get enough, enough in our country. And then I'm just sitting down and I want to watch TV and you're throwing it and in my face. And literally, I wanted to escape only for me to go and see another challenge in my life mm -hmm. being played out in front of me and i'm like where where can i just sit down comfortably because some of the stuff that triple h was saying mr triple h called booker t a common street dog a common street dog said in the first promo Somebody like you doesn't get to be world champion. Somebody like you does not I, get to be world champion. Me as a kid champion. detected that one. Somebody, Somebody like you. Somebody like you. And then he stopped. You know what I mean? <laughs> he stopped and he was like, somebody like you. You. The look up and down. Doesn't get to be at? champion. Who are you looking at? Guys like you are here to entertain me. Guys like you are here to entertain me. At one me. point, told Booker to dance for him. Dance for me. Tried to spray money at him. Sprayed money on him like a stripper. This is just even the promo. We haven't even got to the match. We haven't gotten even, to the, even got to the match. We've not even gotten to the match. But the promos... The promo the was... The promos were just, you know... It was just... And the way they portrayed Booker T prison my mom had seven kids and she had uh, my life changed when she unfortunately passed all the way all the moment for them to actually let booker win this match if you're going to use racism as the basis of your storyline and this person is the baby face the ending should literally be feel good not you know, despair. Not tearing us down Completely. even more. And the thing is, I look back on it, the crowd felt it too. That first promo, you know, people like you, someone like you, the crowd went silent. Mm. Maybe everyone was just tired of Triple H's reign of terror. I really thought Booker T at some point would have gotten it, which is why I'm really thankful for King Booker. Mm. It ain't reparations, but <laughs> it's close in the wrestling world and stuff. So I'm glad that he got something. It just, honestly, it felt like racism won that day. And then now we go to the match. Jerry Lawler. Jerry you, Lawler, first of all, you need to me, pay you. for your disgusting crimes. Because what Jerry Lawler was saying in those... Listen, yeah, I have my notes Basically in front described of him as a thug. Everything Jerry Lula was saying, I had to put tears, the tears emoji at the end of the sentence because I could not believe Jerry Lula was saying this. I get the heel, I get the heel, the colour commentator versus yeah, commentator, the, yeah. the baby face. So it was like, whatever. There needs to be a balance, but, but you can calm yourself. God, you, can actually, you can actually think before you say these things because one of the things that he said that he said that actually just shook me Something about he went to the mall yesterday and tried to pay everything in cigarettes. Yeah. That Booker T tried to pay in cigarettes. And I was just like, is this what you think of black people? JR didn't help either. I mean, I get the whole, the underdog, the baby face. But mm. again, there were still overtones. 
the mention about his mom. Obviously, Booker would have okayed all of this, but it, they were painting a very specific picture mm-hmm. of a black man, and Booker's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Black people are so much more than that. And it was so... so one part of commentary that, again, pointed out this whole story that probably some of us will relate to in this life is that they said that Triple H was reserved and well-behaved. Uh-huh. Now, if you looked at... Gimmick, Are we talking uh, about the same Triple H? This is what commentary said. This was the, um, this was what JR said. Not JR, J, um, Jerry Lawler. Said that Triple H was reserved and well-behaved. But then it kind of give, it kind of gave me sort of a internal moment where... A lot of us as black folk, we are most of the time well-behaved and reserved. However, the way that gets taken by some people in society is that we're being passive-aggressive or we're being, you know, just not wanting to contribute, especially in the workplace. I've experienced this myself. Same here. And when you look at Triple H's gimmick... He was not well, but he was in evolution number one. They were all about drinking. They were all about sexing girls. They were all about, you know, the high life. They the were whole... all about disturbing the dead. Exactly. If I really want to go there. Okay. <laughs> they were all about going to the depths of the low. And Booker T was just this guy who wanted to just talk about, he wanted to just, like, he was wrestling. He had his accolades. He had something to prove. He had, again, that ultimate underdog story. And then it kind of just hit me when it was just like, well, but Triple H is the one being reserved. All because Booker T said, I'm going to beat you up, which rightfully he deserves it's to be. Wrestling. It's, it's wrestling. It's premeditated. So, Everyone is fair game. What exactly. do you mean? <laughs> but then you pin the one who's got the, the lifestyle as the well-reserved In one. In general, when it comes to society, it's always that antithesis of um, white being innocent, black mm-hmm. being not innocent and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's utilised in every way. So, here comes someone like Booker, who is the antithesis of everything that Triple H is, and is still a good guy, but mm-hmm. they have to find something in order to justify all the nonsense that they mm-hmm. were doing, and they went with the racism angle. One thing I commend about this, Matt, is that it it did tell a story. It did tell Even a story. Even though the ending was tragic, it told the story of what black people face on a daily basis in the things that you know incarceration rates that was touched on that in terms of family you know single parent families it was just talking about his mom yeah you know it was just a lot of issues that we go through that are pinned on us to make us look like the bad person yeah we still have community and we still grow and we still showcase like we have to showcase our accolades Mm -hmm. 10 times fold and we're still great we are still magnificent amen because Booker T in that match was magnificent. He was, was spectacular. He was absolutely, like, hands down. I personally think Booker T is the greatest black wrestler in I the WWE. I would say his accolades prove it. His in, accolades prove it. Mm-hmm. He was a great promo. His athleticism, mm-hmm. it was great. It like, was great. it was absolutely great. I mean, looking at the match itself some of the notable spots i mean it really sucks but um booker t really threw all his offensive arsenal at triple h we got a good throwback to the houston hangover yeah it was beautiful as well it worked well following from this match here in terms of the racial undertones when somebody goes through something like this you have Mm. to remind them of their greatness of their power and again like some of us who have gone through like racist microaggressions from certain people sometimes we just want that praise to be reminded that we're not this small in a company that we're not just another number or anything we just want to be treated as a normal person so obviously i think we should celebrate booker t in this match it showed the athleticism of booker t unmatched booker t was larger than life Mm -hmm. he was larger than life he looked like a megastar yep Booker T gave everything in that match. Gave everything. And, and then even all the way it he takes, was selling, even the way he, he was sold, selling that leg. Yes, when Ric Flair interfered and he sold that leg. Again, it emulates the reality of the world everything. again. Triple H didn't sell for him at some point. Ric Flair gives me that vibe of like, you know that controversy where 
like parents were paying off like universities oh tutors to get into university to get into university oh yeah Ric Flair gives me that vibe well, when it comes to Triple H he's been doing it with all his so kids so obviously he will go and support Triple H and he will always play do the dirtiest yeah. things so it was effectively at one point it was two against one that match itself is a physical representation Triple H and Ric Flair together Booker T was alone and mm. in some cases in, like a lot of people can um, allude to this in their experience in the workplace you don't necessarily have the backing mm-hmm. but everyone else has that backing mm. and we really really are out there alone sometimes which is why this podcast alone is a great thing mm-hmm. you know it is bringing black people together who love the sport who take joy in the sport mm-hmm. it's resurrecting my love for the sport as well mm-hmm. but that match is definitely a physical representation of some of the things that happen that we go through mm-hmm. where again booker still had to overcome not one but two people mm-hmm. that's a physical representation of having to overcome so much adversity in the world mm-hmm. and we're still having to overcome adversity one thing I really, really enjoyed was um, the D- DDT that Booker did. But yeah. of course, I said again, Triple H didn't sell it well. It yeah. stayed on the ground for three seconds. <laughs> My guy, you could have just sold. You like, could have just sold. You could have just sold. Why not? I mean, again, do I want to touch on Triple H? But Triple H pulled out some Indian Deathlock. That Indian Deathlock, I was like, I why do you know how to it. do that? And then someone, <laughs> he learned that from Ric Flair, 100%. Yeah, true. And then these two... In terms of the chemistry that they both had, it, uh, they had good chemistry in the it ring. It worked. I enjoyed it. It was like a bit of a throwback in terms of both powerhouses fighting each other with the chops. Loved that. Loved, again, the high-flying moments that they both attempted. Yeah. I also, I mean, I mentioned the Houston mm. hangover. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really great, paying homage to WCW days. But again... Booker used his whole arsenal. We're talking about he did a spinning kick. He mm-hmm. did a jumping kick. He did a scissor kick. Mm-hmm. He did the Houston hangover. Mm-hmm. He did a DDT. Like, the guy threw his whole heart out there. And all it took was one measly, measly pedigree. pedigree. And then Are a, you joking? And then a, just a one... Do you know how limp, long it took him to put his arm over? A limp pin. And it was like even, a minute. Even the ref I have problems with because the ref counted that three very fast. Was well, it just yeah. me? It refs like need one, a, two, number one, three. refs, all of you, stop getting hit. Stop being in harm's way. Fine, you want the match to be over. Do your job. That ending, piss poor. I hate, nah. Even for what they gave, I think they deserved better because I was waiting for that sequence. I was waiting for it like... It wasn't fast. It wasn't like hard get, hitting. Exactly. There was it nothing. wasn't hard it was hitting. Just, it was just, I think there was emotion we talked about earlier at this point maybe we are a bit spoilt with wrestling these days mm-hmm. and how people have a great variety and yes you mentioned powerhouses and stuff i think a lot of the match was filled with emotion which mm-hmm. makes it slightly warped where like it probably wasn't a great match yeah but the emotion and the build-up adds to the match so it made it feel very hard hitting it made it feel like mm. the baby face had the chance mm-hmm. because he can overcome all his adversities can really like he had like ten thousand black people on his back mm-hmm. and whiteness whiteness <laughs> whiteness prevailed in the end honestly and stuff and people are, if, you, if you're saying oh it wasn't racist like the undertones were there the undertones were and there. and they continued on that trajectory that ended up being the kind of the whole fuel for the feud and the match. Mm -hmm. And so it really sucked, actually, that Mm -hmm. the ending was such a measly pedigree. Like, at least do an avalanche pedigree or something. (laughs) Like, at least, you know, like, Booker T is giving you the whole offense. You should should literally be in pain. You should be crawling on the floor Mm -hmm. and you need to, like, bring in the most devastating move. The pedigree ain't it. It ain't it. So, after all that, AJ, Mm -hmm. Booker T... Versus Triple H, WrestleMania 19, 2003. <laughs> Let me remind you when I said it was a dark, dark, dark time. time. Does this match rock or does this match suck? I have to say that this match sucks. You know what? I don't blame you. Yeah, it sucks. I don't blame you. It just didn't feel good to watch as a black person, all the tones. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think also we can say as adults, we're noticing it a bit more yep, now. As yep. kids, we probably would have been like, oh my goodness, this yep. this match rocks. But I think both of them had ha- have had better matches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, there could have been an opportunity again to revisit that in the future Some without redemption. racism. <laughs> but I agree with you. 
Our next match is Trinity versus Diona Perazzo for the Impact Knockouts Women's Championship at Slammiversary. It wasn't a party. When I talk about Impact, people call me a hater. You saw for yourself, first of all, you're a big, big pay-per-view. Why do you look like that? This is probably the first time I've really watched Impact in such a long time. (laughs) And... It's Slammiversary. It's your anniversary. It looked like a house show. It, I was it just, like an indie show. Has it always been like this since I stopped watching <laughs> it? Like, I, I was... Oh. I was shocked. I don't... Do you know what it is? Okay. Let's start with the entrances. <laughs> Trinity, am I just so used to you in WWE that I didn't feel the glow? I did not feel nothing. I, I laugh inside my soul when the most dramatic moment was the woman coming out in the violin <laughs> meanwhile in wrestling i shouldn't compare them to the likes of um wwe but when you have six pianists mm. sitting around you doing your entrance yeah do you see the greatness, the flair? Oh, okay. Of I was just like, Reigns. I was like, I didn't see these people. <laughs> no, no, no. This is for Roman <laughs> this Reigns. This is for Reigns. I was just like, did and I then, really not pay attention? Like, Diana Perosa, you're the women's champion. She came out looking like a Charlotte wannabe. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Even though, like, when she came out, she did look... I, I did like the title, of the gimmick, the, the virtuoso. That's, that's it. I'm sorry. First of all, t- in fact, you've been there longer than AEW. Where's the power no, of yeah, money? I don't understand. It's, Do you know what? They, they gave, used to <laughs> use bigger arenas as well. It's, they gave the all their money, money to Naomi. Not Naomi. They gave all their money to Trinity. Do you think? I think all their spending went to Trinity. Really? All the budget went to Trinity. Into acquiring Trinity. All the budget went. <laughs> I'm not sure because apparently they've been like that for a long time. But you know what? We're we're being a little harsh. A little. We're being a little harsh. We should be more harsh. We're being a little harsh. Oh my god! I thought. Okay, let's talk about the build up. What I liked was that. Uh, again, as a reminder, it's mm-hmm. just two different athletes mm-hmm. who clearly just love wrestling as a competition, mm-hmm. love the sport, and it's all about respect. A mm-hmm. healthy rivalry. No stupid promos. No calling each other derogatory words. Mm. I'm so tired of just like, let me just throw in the B word and call it a day. Let me ask you something about Impact. Um, Obviously, the Knockouts division has been really like praised in terms of how they handle their women. Mm. Do you want to see more of this in like the type, this type of rivalry across the the companies i mean i guess it depends i mean some people really aren't there for wrestling Mm -hmm. they need the entertainment factor Mm -hmm. but sometimes i just i don't think build-ups have to be Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier that intricate sometimes Mm -hmm. i think yes i love long-term long-term booking we love it like Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong but i think sometimes you can easily start a rivalry Mm -hmm. with just healthy competition there's just genuine respect now if you want to navigate that okay, this person, like, fine, it's healthy respect, but this person has lost too many times to this person, starts to build the animosity. Mm-hmm. Go that way, that's fine. But it's just, like, immediately someone looked at me wrong. Mm-hmm. Wrestling is an art form. I want to see people display that art form. Yeah, and that art form, they did. Looking at that match, it started quite slow for me, but okay. it did speed up towards the end, which I appreciate. But I realised, actually, that, I was more familiar with Trinity and less mm. familiar with Diana. Even mm. though she's been like, this was her third title reign. So I don't know what I've missed there where I was like. The thing is with Diana, she at one point said that she's the best technical. Oh, that's wrestler. not true. It's not obviously. If not that true. match didn't prove it to me, sorry. And again, I just thought, you know, sometimes when people leave different companies, they showcase a different side to them, like a new moveset, a fresh new start somewhere else. Mm. Trinity was just doing. She didn't do anything surprising for me. In the match, really? Yeah, I didn't feel... Like, I feel like everything she was doing, she's done it before. But, I mean, this is her first reign, so she can only do what she's done before. Yeah, but then It's not her biggest match. But, like, spice it up a bit, you know? Like, Canadian destroy. <laughs> You're asking a bit too much now. Canadian destroy. But, like, I just felt... It, it just felt a bit familiar. She said that she wanted to come to Impact to make an impact. And I did not feel any impact. I just felt, okay, Trinity. She really is 
WWE personified. Mm-hmm. Her wrestling style is WWE style. So that's, that's all she it, knows. That's why it surprised me when she went to Impact. Well, I think going to Impact was a better idea than going to AEW. There are some great wrestlers, mm-hmm. women wrestlers in Impact. And there are great people who she can learn under, mm-hmm. Gail Kim. But I think, you know, AEW was too obvious. Impact mm-hmm. was a great way for really her to test her skills and learn mm-hmm. new skills. Um, I've mentioned before, I TK does not make the women's mm-hmm. division in AEW a learning ground. And maybe this is an opportunity for her to learn. I feel like she did sell pretty well and she did do mm-hmm. some great spots. I just think it could have been a bit better. I was yearning for more when I was watching this yeah. match. I just at some point, some points, I was even switching off, like because I just oh, wasn't, because I, <laughs> I just wasn't invested. I wasn't like, unfortunately, obviously, this is gonna set the tone for what rating I'm gonna give the match. But you have changed my perspective in the sense that do you know what? It is a learning ground for her. Yeah, it is a chance for her to widen her move set to be able to fight women who are more credible in Mm. the business but I just wanted a bit more from that match I can't lie I think it could be a simple start to her reign I mean we've seen but it's too simple I think it needed to happen based on what I've been hearing and what I've been seeing Deanna's reign was getting a bit stale and stagnant Mm. they Trinity was hot new fresh blood Mm -hmm. they needed to make that transition and it opened them up to great new storylines we Mm -hmm. saw recently on Impact they had a six woman tag match Mm -hmm. and um, Trinity's team won in Trinity's team it was Mickey James and Mickey Mickey was eyeing up that title Mickey gave her the look and that's coming. And that's I think coming. that's going to be a great program. Do you know what? That will be a great program. But again, I thought that the, I just think that the match was like change it up a bit. Yeah. So, AJ. Yes, ma'am. Diana Perazzo versus Trinity. Impact at Slammiversary. Mm-hmm. I already know your answer anyway, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> does this match rock or does this match suck? I'm sorry to say this match sucks. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Trinity, I tried all. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I wasn't moved. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I agree with you. Next it's time. Fine. <laughs> it's Next fine. Time. Next, Next time. time. Thank you for listening to Wrestling is Too Much Fun. Like I say, wrestling Wrestling is is too too much fun to argue argue about. Wrestling is too much fun is hosted by yours truly, AJ, a.k.a. The Visionary. And me, Chids, a.k.a. The Head Baddie in Charge. Executive producers for Unedited are Andrew Spence and Bernard Achampong. Wrestling is Too Much Fun is produced by Chris Mitchell, a.k.a. The Actual Factual for Breaking Atoms. Assistant producer is David Kurzer. The theme music was produced by Versi Jones. Who's Who's that that jumping out the sky? Big up to Roy Johnson, Big Wavy for coming on the show today. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms. You can find us at official WITMF. Let me spell that again. W-I-T-M-F. Until next time. time.